0: listening to Tales from the First Tee. I'm your host, Rich Easton, recording from beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're returning for more, I thank you. Tales has been downloaded in over 300 cities worldwide. Each week I'm honored by the pouring of support around the globe. This week, we've added listeners from a 23rd country, Italia. Italia is not far in the Gulf. Francesco Molinari, who won the 2018 Open Champion and 10 professional tournaments, three of which were in the PGA, skyrocketed to being one of the top world leaders in 2018. When he played the Ryder Cup in 2018, he won five out of five points, which is just incredible. It's interesting to me how when players go on streaks, I mean, that you keep watching them every week. It's like 2015 Spieth, maybe Spieth this year. Molinari had a year in 2018 that catapulted him to his highest world ranking ever. And I think his streak might have ended in the 2019 Masters, where he was tied for the lead on Sunday, coming into 12, and he and two other players hit their tee shots into Race Creek, opening up a lane for Tiger Woods to take the lead, hold it, and win one of the greatest sports comebacks of all time. But there are also other great golfers from Italia, Constantino Roca, Matteo Manasero, Massimo Manelli, Massimo Scarpa, and I just love biting into Italian names. I have a special love for the country of Italy as I studied abroad there in Florence my junior year in college, where I met a girl on the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, who I dated for a skinny minute. I met my first love sitting in front of me in my Italian literature class and it started off with me glancing over her shoulders to validate that I had the right answers on this test and it was met with a gaze that I interpreted as infatuation which I later learned was a glare of stop cheating or we're both in trouble. They often say Italy is for lovers which I can't deny. So I say to my new Italian fans, Grazie e benvenuto a Tales. Si prega di tornare per ulteriori intrattenimenti. For the delayed November 2020 Masters, I told a story about my failed attempt to land a job in the Augusta National Masters merchandising tent and I got such interesting feedback that I thought why not play it again you know it's almost like playing a Christmas story or a wonderful life around the holidays each year so without further ado here you go Today is April 8th, 2021, and this is Masters Week. I'm a big Masters fan, but I've never had the chance to walk the grounds. Just about everybody I've met in Charleston has been to the event at least once. I mean, I've been to two Ryder Cups, two U.S. Opens, and a PGA Championship, but never the Masters. But that being said, I do have a personal Masters story that's appropriate for this weekend. Around three and a half years ago, when I'd been in Charleston for maybe a year or so, I was so bummed that I hadn't been to the Masters, and I kept hearing these stories from all my friends here that they've been there, they love it, it's the greatest event. And I, I just couldn't get tickets every year. I guess for the last 10 years, I've gone online and applied for tickets. And I guess they send something out in the, I don't know, maybe the th- over the summertime. And they ask you, you know, do you want tickets? Now you have to buy them, but still you can get them and they have a lottery. And so I've always gone in. First, I went out, you know, the practice rounds, they're probably easy to get. And then later in the last few years, it's been like, no, I want Friday or Saturday, maybe even Sunday. But what you do is you apply online and then a few months later, you get the notice and you'll wait for it. And it's like every year I get this email from the masters and I'm like, I can't wait. This is it. And I open it up and they start with a very flowery sentence. And then by the second or third sentence, you realize, yeah, but you're not going to get tickets this year. You're rejected. So I guess three and a half years ago, I was rejected, and somehow I got this email from the masters that suggested they were looking for people to work the tournament. And first of all, I think it's a scam, so I write back, this is a scam, come on, you know, but in hopes that maybe it wasn't. So I sent them back an email. They replied within 24 hours, this is not a scam. You could give us a call. They had a number. And I did. I called and I found out, no, they they were looking for people to work the tournament. Now, every year, they have a lot of the same people coming back and working the tournament. But but in every year, they also lose people that can't do it, don't want to do it, can't get up there, whatever the reason is. And I don't know what that number is, maybe 20 or 25 percent of attrition. But, hey, there are opportunities to work the master's. So I get this email, I I call, I find out it's real, and now I get excited, and my brain starts working overtime, and I'm thinking, oh my God, here's a chance to walk the hallowed grounds of Augusta National. And I start thinking, okay, first of all, I'm going to have this interview. It's probably going to be in the clubhouse. So I'm going to drive in, drive through Magnolia Boulevard, which is beautiful, and get to the clubhouse park my car walk in and walk through the hall and see all of the photos of all the past winners then i'm going to sit down for my interview we can have a conversation i've got a lot of background in in retailing and all the thinking behind retailing so i'll kill the interview i'll walk out of there come back work the tournament and on my breaks I'm going to go out and walk and maybe see some of my favorite players. So I am really thrilled. I'm excited. I have an interview. This is going to go really well. So I get this confirmation. It's an email confirmation uh, a few weeks later that I've got an interview, but it's going to take place across the street from Augusta National. Okay, so the first part of my anticipated interview wasn't going to take place in the clubhouse. That's okay. Because again, I think once I get the job and once I do the merchandising, I'll be able to walk through the hallowed grounds, go down Magnolia Boulevard and see the most pristine golf course that I've ever seen. So the day before the interview, I ask my ex, hey, what should I wear for the interview? I mean, it wasn't an interview for an executive position. It was an interview for a retail merchandising role. So maybe I go with golf slacks, a golf shirt. Yeah, that's probably appropriate. And I was thinking maybe I should have a sports jacket. But it was suggested to me that that might be too formal. It's a casual environment. So you need to go dress casual. So the next day, the day of the interview, and again, it's uh, it's like a two, two and a half hour drive up to Augusta. My alarm goes off at 5 a.m. The interview's at 10 a.m. I get in the car by 6 a.m. and I drive up. It's an uneventful trip. By 8.30, I am entering the Augusta area. And uh, it was a little different than what I expected. Um, But, you know, not everything can look like the golf course outside the golf course. So now I got 90 minutes to kill. And the first thing I wanted to do, I'm driving by and I see the golf course and I see the member's entrance. So I'm thinking, wouldn't it be clever to pull in, get out of my car and take a selfie in front of this. Um, this, you know, Augusta National green sign. I mean, that would basically commemorate the fact that I'm there. I've made it to to Augusta National. And so as I pull in, I see there's a guardhouse on the right, and I could see Magnolia Boulevard in front of me. And before that, there is this very sophisticated gate system it looks like three or four of these green metal cylinders that are up as high as four feet that I imagine lower into the ground when members or guests are waved in. So I am getting even more excited about this. Not but 10 seconds after I stop my car, A linebacker-sized guard starts approaching my car with his right hand on his holster. So I rolled down my passenger window, and before I could say anything, the guard looked at me and said, Sir, back your car out of the driveway and do not get out of the vehicle. So I thought maybe I could reason with him, And maybe I'll start to tell him that I'm here for an interview. So I start saying a few words. He cuts me off and says, sir, I'm not going to ask you again. His right hand opened up his holster and put his hand on the gun. And he said, back your car out of the driveway now. Uh So, in retrospect, I'm guessing I wasn't the first looky-loo that wanted to get a selfie. So, I back out in record speed and almost clipped this car passing by on Washington Road. So, I still had an hour before the interview, and I found a fast food restaurant and ordered a breakfast sandwich and coffee. And in my excitement over the whole security guard incident, I might have applied too much hot sauce on my sandwich... And after the first or second bite, it started spilling down on my white golf shirt. Anyway, as a dumb guy, I just figured nobody'd notice. So I get to the parking lot of this old rundown strip center. It's where my GPS had taken me. And I'm just like, am I certain this is it? So I'm sitting in the driveway. And fortunately, over the next 15 to 20 minutes... I noticed that other cars are starting to pull into the driveway just like me. And so this is like a cattle call. So I was originally thinking it's gonna be maybe a one-on-one interview, like so many others I've I've conducted as a VP of sales for several companies. So I kind of get interviews. Now it's 945. Everybody starts getting out of their cars to line up in front of this pop-up office. And what I noticed very quickly is all the guys were wearing suits and sport jackets. Son of a bitch. I got it wrong. I mean, all these years of corporate protocol, I should have just been smart enough at least to bring a sport jacket. I was also what I thought was the grayest man in the bunch. Now, I'm not going to pull the ageism card, because if I address more appropriate and more professional... I could have pulled off a VP look. But no, not retired Richie. I'm looking like a retired guy with a stained white golf shirt hoping to land a job for the Masters. But even after that, I still had one more arrow in my quiver. I knew how to interview, and I knew how interviews worked on both sides of the desk. I mean, I was thinking I could bullshit my way through the interview impressed the hiring manager with my experience and years of sales and marketing. And well, shit, I called on the onrious buyers at Walmart, Costco, and, and and I've been able to get the order. I've hired and directed entire teams of category managers that analyze sales data and converted it into insights that influence retailers to change assortment and promotional plan. I mean, I led this team of insight managers to develop this uh, sales presentation for the sales team that influenced Walmart and Target to stock personal massagers on their shelves. And that's a benign word for vibrators. So I'm thinking, I could handle an interview for merchandising. So now it's 10 o'clock and we all rustle in like cattle and there's a sign-up sheet. So we sign up for our interviews, and I guess it's first come, first serve. And I'm the 10th guy on the list. So I go over to this area where they have these fold-up card table chairs waiting for our names to be called. And being the 10th person on the list, I got to watch nine people in front of me stand up, shake hands with their hiring manager, and then walk in and during that time before my name was called i didn't see anybody come out or exit and it's been like 20 30 minutes so i'm thinking hey this is a long interview this plays right into my hand i mean just gives me time more time to bullshit now my name's called and i see the hiring manager stand up and as i w- walk towards her She's looking at me and she sees how I'm dressed and she, you could just see her face, like this look of disappointment that she's got to spend time with this guy. And as I get closer to her, she starts staring at the stain on my shirt. It was like the Austin Power scene where he's talking to this guy who was supposed to be this mole with this giant mole on his face. By the way, I realize that I have a large mole on my face. Where? <laughs> what? Where's that mole? (laughs) I didn't see one. Yes, nice to mole you. Meet you. Nice to meet you, mole. Don't say mole. Stop. I said mole. Stop. Well, that's what it felt like when she was looking at my shirt. So needless to say, I'm a little self-conscious about underdressing for the interview and spilling breakfast on my shirt. But I was going to overcome it once I had a chance to speak about qualifications and my my desire to work the tournament. So I get in there. She's very cordial. She's very nice. She asked me a few basic questions and I think I'm killing it. And then she asked a question. It might've been like the third question. She's like, so where are you planning to stay during the tournament? Well, I had thought about just every answer to every question. And that was one I was just not prepared for. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, She goes, you know, hotels are booked up now. They're typically booked up years in advance for a radius of like 70 miles from here. She goes, so have you booked a hotel? And I'm thinking, no, I don't know if I got the job yet. I didn't know if I was going to the master's. I was going to wait, get the job and then book a hotel. So then I quickly thought, well, I'm going to stay in Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, that's like 60 miles away. And I say to her, Columbia. You know, I've got friends in Columbia. I could stay there. I don't have one friend in Columbia. But she looks at me and she goes, well, you know, this job is for an entire week, not just for the four days. And you have to be here at six o'clock every morning and you probably close at around seven or eight. She goes, 60 miles is a long way to be from here. She goes, and the traffic here in the morning is just horrible. And I'm like, yeah, no, I understand. It's, I, you know, But I'm going to be staying in Columbia. And then I get the question, the five dreaded words that you never want to hear in an interview, particularly in what you consider to be the beginning of the interview. When she looks at me and she goes, do you have any questions? I'm like, oh, no but I had a list of questions. I'm always prepared. And so, you know, before she started asking me questions, she gave me a little tutelage about what the job was about. And I think that went over my head. I was just getting prepared for the questions. And my first question to her is, so what are you looking for in a tournament merchandiser? And when she responded, like I already said, and then she finished her sentence, I knew it was over. So, I stood up, I shook her hand, and I was out of the office in 15 minutes. Here's my summary. Five hours on the road of driving. A near-fatal meeting with an Augusta National Guard. A breakfast catastrophe and an interview gone so bad. Who knew one day that I'd be looking back and laughing at myself? (laughs) I mean, who knew I'd be doing a podcast? You've been listening to Tales from the First Tee. I'm your host, Rich Easton, who still has not graced the grounds of Augusta National. Let's see if Bryson can win this weekend. I invite you to like my Facebook page, or visit my website, both Tales from the First T. If you hate it, don't rate it. Talk to you soon.